another edition of Pick and Pod, WFUV Sports NBA podcast. I'm Kelly Bright, and again, I am back with two Thomases. They gave me a week off to relax and have hosts with two different names, but I guess that wasn't enough. That wasn't enough of a challenge. So here I am with Thomas Aiello, and then we also have Thomas Quigley, who's our resident beat reporter for the Nets, here to talk about basketball on one of the craziest days in basketball news that we've had in a while. I swear to God, I had a hundred notifications on my phone, breaking news, breaking news. This player's injured, this player's out, this coach is fired. So just an absolutely crazy day in basketball, but not to overshadow what was one of the craziest playoff games of the season, of the postseason so far. And that was a Nets-Bucks games in which the Nets came back to a 114-108 victory over Milwaukee, giving them a lead in the series 3-2. And it truly was a tale of two halves. The Nets were shooting 38% the first half. They couldn't hit water if they fell out of a boat. I mean, Harden had zero points and was playing on one leg. It looked like the game was over. Milwaukee had a 16-point lead. And then the second half comes, and Kevin freaking Durant does his thing, and they're able to come back. The Nets ended up shooting over 49% as a team and went on a 17-5 run in the third quarter. Katie played the entire game and had one more point than he had minutes, finished with 49 points, 17 rebounds, 10 assists, four from nine from three. Jeff Green also was on fire yesterday, 27 points, didn't miss a three until the fourth quarter. I've talked enough about this game. Let me talk, let me give it to someone who was actually there, Thomas Quigley. How was it like being at the game? How was how was seeing Kevin Durant have one of the most classic and iconic postseason performances in the recent NBA era? Well, if I'm being honest, Kelly, it was kind of like very quiet for a lot of it because, you know, the Nets were down for most of the game. It was in the third quarter, you know, it, it was kind of like they're ringing the funeral bells uh, on the season down 17. But Kevin Durant is just an unstoppable force, especially in the playoffs. And he's showing it right now. I mean, 49 points, 17 rebounds, and 10 assists. He's the first player to ever have those numbers in a playoff game. Truly remarkable stuff. Uh, and his team, it was, you know, his team really needed him to do that because they didn't have Kyrie. Uh, you know, uh, James Harden went from being out yesterday morning to doubtful to questionable to in the starting lineup, uh, which was crazy and probably, you know, gave the team – a much needed boost uh, emotionally, uh, but he really didn't contribute on the court. And that was obvious from the beginning. So they needed Kevin Durant to step up and that's exactly what he did. He pretty much just willed the team uh, to win uh, when it came down to it in the third quarter and the fourth quarter and those runs uh, and then eventually hitting that dagger that put it out of reach. So it was, it was really one of the most remarkable playoff performances that I've seen on TV or in person. And it was really, a blessing to be there in person to see such a masterful performance go down. And Thomas Ayala, I'm going to go to you. And we can't, as well as Kevin Durant played and as well as that second half went for this Brooklyn Nets team, it, it was also a terrible second half and ultimately a terrible game for the Milwaukee Bucks. And I think there's a lot to unpack there. So Thomas, I'm going to ask you what, what went wrong? For the Bucks, how did they blow a game that seemed pretty much wrapped up in a bow at, at halftime? What what went wrong, especially for a team that has Giannis? They have a two-time MVP and an All-Star in Chris Middleton. They have a big three. So, what happened? 
I think what happened is you don't stop the great ones. And Kevin Durant, although I said last episode, I think that Luka Doncic is the best player or he's about to be, Kevin Durant is still ahead of him. And by, I'd say after last night, a very good margin. But what really, I guess, stuck out to me that was kind of staring at me in the face and finger pointing in my, in my uh, grill here, it said, you know what? The Bucks just forgot how to play fundamental basketball. There was one sequence, I have it written down here, um, in the fourth quarter where P.J. Tucker poked James Harden in the eye, which was followed up by Jeff Green drawing a charge on Giannis, which was then followed up by a Landry Shamit illegal screen, and then Drew Holiday on the next possession airballs a jump shot. So I thought that whole sequence kind of told me where the Bucks were going, and now I can't let the Nets totally off the hook here because – there were some pretty ill-advised plays happening in the first half for them. James Harden just launching one to the seats and then Kevin Durant bouncing one off the back of his noggin. So there was definitely some rust from Harden on his end and Durant, I guess, them not being on the same page and injuries and back and forth and things. And the Nets have been wounded like a, uh, like a lion in the jungle, just getting beaten up by hyenas. However, Kevin Durant pulling off perhaps the greatest performance I've ever seen in the NBA playoffs. He joins um, Oscar Robertson, Charles Barkley, and the great Luka Doncic as the only players in a single game to record a 40, 15, and 10 game. But as Thomas Quigley said, the numbers that Durant put up, he stands far and beyond alone. He's on top of that mountain by himself. And you know what? That last play at the end of the game when Chris Middleton drives to the basket, and he leaves it for Giannis, who just kind of uh, fumbled the football. Like, not the football, but the basketball. And he didn't really know what to do, and he panicked. The loose ball is a 50-50 ball, which I, as you guys, I think both know me well enough how much I emphasize details. Winning 50-50 balls, especially in the playoffs, those, those win you the series. And the Nets, there was three of them just diving onto the hardwood floor. I don't know if anyone cared that they cracked their heads open at that point. They just needed to get that ball. And that was, I thought that seals Milwaukee's fate. I think for game six, I think Brooklyn's going to go back. James Harden's going to definitely not be a decoy this time. He'll be more productive than he was in this game. He went one for 10, which, I mean, I don't know how concerning is that coming off of the injured list, but Kevin Durant, man, you know what he is. You know what he is. You guys say he's a superhuman. You know what he is. He's the super slim reaper. Okay. There's a slim reaper. And now he just brings it to a new level. This guy is just off the charts and he, he proved it to us. Why? So what should fans expectations be in terms of this super slim reaper? Do we expect Kevin Durant to have a performance like this again and again and again and again, until Harden and Kyrie are healthy again, we don't really know when Kyrie's going to be back. Harden, your Harden did play terribly and maybe it was too soon to come back, but yeah, maybe he'll be ready for the next game. But if he's not, worst case scenario, if, he, if he's not healthy and Kyrie's not healthy, is it realistic that Kevin Durant is going to have games like this night in, night out? Is, is it going to be enough? I mean, if you look at some of the other performances, yeah, Jeff Green had a great night, but Joe Harris, he was two for 11. He had five points. That's not going to cut it. And some of their other, Bruce Brown had a quiet night. Blake Griffin, he made some key shots. But what are the, is it realistic for Kevin Durant to come out and save this team night in, night out? Are they, do, are there, or are they going to need help from those other superstars? And, and I wouldn't say it's unrealistic that he uh, could do this again. Obviously, this is a ridiculous performance and something we've never quite seen before, uh, especially, you know, out of him. 
but it's just in general. Uh, but I don't think that this is unreplicatable, especially if Harden's not good to go next game, which, you know, if he's feeling the same way that he did this morning or yesterday morning when he was out, listed as out and decided, hey, I'm going to play because the team needs me. The team didn't need him last night. And that was very clear. And if they if he feels the same way, if he's not, you know, ready to go 100 percent or even like 80 percent, he looked like he was like 40 percent out there last night. Um, they should definitely consider not playing him. And if that's the case, Kyrie's still out. You know, Joe Harris probably won't go two for 11 again, but in the, in that vacuum of talent and the vacuum of production that the Nets had last night, I think it's definitely possible for Kevin Durant to go off like he did. Uh, And, you know, that's kind of what they're going to need if they want to win a game in Milwaukee without Kyrie and without, you know, a hundred percent Harden and without, you know, maybe a, a Joe Harris that's once again, just, completely absent, which I doubt will happen. But I think, you know, Kevin Durant kind of needs to step up in the way he is uh, if this team has to close out this game six, especially in enemy territory where they lost two straight. And if the Bucs want to, on the flip side of that, if they want to push it to a game six, to a game seven, and, and stay in this and find a way to contain Kevin Durant, I'll go to you for this one. What adjustments can they make? I think uh, there was a lot of questionable things that uh, Mike Budenholzer did on defense. You know, it, they didn't make any adjustments. Kevin Durant just wiped the floor with whoever was matched up with him one-on-one. Giannis barely ever was matched up on him. And he's a reigning defensive player of the year. They didn't try double teams. They didn't try to tip, triple team him. They didn't pressure him in transition. And, and you know, just like Willie said, like, he's capable of having multiple nights like this where he has these ridiculous performances. So what kind of adjustments, especially defensively, uh, do the Bucs need to make going into the next game and trying to keep themselves alive in this playoff run? I'm trying to think of something because PJ Tucker, I, he's a good player. You know, all the respect in the world for him for turning his career around the way he did. He's trying his hardest. You know, Kevin Durant's, that's like guarding Superman. You, you can't, it's impossible. It's like Michael Jordan. You couldn't stop the guy. No matter how hard you tried, no matter how physical you get with him Gary Payton couldn't do it and he said I tired MJ out I did it I tired him no you did not Gary so no you did not PJ Tucker he's gonna try his best and he talks a lot but dude no one's gonna stop Kevin Durant I'm sorry and Mike Budenholzer Bucks fans calling for his his head pretty much I've never seen a fan base hate someone more than the Bucks hating Mike Budenholzer uh I don't know what else they can do this is kind of a throw it all out on the table kind of thing. Just throw whatever you can at the wall and see what sticks. And I think the other thing that the Nets need to consider if they want to adjust to giving Durant more help, undo the James Harden trade. I, I'm going to, wait, ready? You're going to like this one. I don't think the James Harden trade was necessary, especially if you look at what's happening right now. Durant's help is, uh, am I reading this right? Landry Shamit. Mike James, who, who the heck is Mike James? Nick Claxton, I Karis Levert would have been very nice to have right now, okay? Jared Allen would have kind of been nice to have right now as well. Now, the James Harden trade, I understand why they did it because now they're going to just walk to the NBA Finals pretty much. And if they do get there, I'm assuming, they're going to roll over whoever comes out of the West. But the Harden trade, that's the only adjustment they can make. Because Karis Levert would be nice to have right now. I think we can say the same thing having Jared Allen over 
inexperienced Nick Claxton and just not playing DeAndre Jordan. I think it's kind of safe. We can assume that, but you know, I want to hear you guys, what you guys think. They're saying that James Harden trades unnecessary in a way. I want to see what you guys think. Cause I know I step out on the limb, limb a lot. You guys go. It's definitely a hot take for a guy who's, you know, who's definitely an MVP candidate um, and had one of the best seasons, you know, of, of any, of any guard, you know, maybe not one of the best seasons of all time, but, you know, one of, one of a very outstanding season uh, in a role that we haven't really seen him uh, when he played in Houston, he was much more of a facilitator this year. And that really, you know, helped them down the stretch and with a big three that has kind of just been constantly injured all season. It's hard to think that an absence of Harden would have made the team better. I know obviously Karis LeVert and Jared Allen are, fantastic players in their own in their own way but they're nothing near the uh the consistency and the ability to uh just maneuver and win a game uh in the way that James Harden is and brings to the team so I'm gonna say that you're wrong with this but okay okay (laughs) but um I could see where you're coming from with the way that you know Kevin Durant has just just put the team on his back tonight or last night uh seemingly will have to do in game six. Uh, so it's still blasphemy, but, you know, I can see where you're kind of coming from. But no, James Harden was totally a fantastic move for this team. And the only way that this is necessarily a bad move is if the Nets don't win a championship this year or next year. Then you can say, all right, well, this is, you just destroyed your future. We're trying to get this guy and he didn't even bring you a championship. So I guess time will tell on this one, but for now, uh, I'm sticking with Harden. I'm going to take a kind of middle ground. I like what Quiggs just put at the end there. I, I do think this is a win now situation for the Nets team. And if they don't win in the next two years, then Thomas, you're right. I think it, it, it was a very risky move. It's one of those moves where if it works, you're a genius. And if it doesn't work, you're an idiot. It's, it's a move that somebody like coach Bill Belichick and the Patriots would make. And, and either it's going to pay off or it's going to hurt. And you look at this team right now and look where they are. And every time we talk about the Nets, we talk about how, they're going to be in the finals. They're either they're going to be in the finals, they're going to win the whole thing, or we just compliment them for having such an elite offensive attack and how many of their players are so good and how they have the three best ISO players in the game. And we just have good things to say nonstop about this team. So, you know, if it's clearly working, something's working for them and maybe, and, and they've dealt with injuries. They dealt with injuries all years and all year. And yet here they are. They are in the conference semifinals. They're leading that conference semifinals. And they only have one guy playing right now full strength out of that big three. But it's not impossible to say that they won't have all three of those guys back and healthy for a finals, a final series. And I, I don't, again, I still believe that if they have all three of those guys healthy in the finals, there's no team that's, that's going to beat them. But, you know, speaking of Kevin Durant and James Harden, I want to talk to you guys. I want to keep this hot take conversation going. The All-NBA first team, second team, third team, and defensive teams were announced. The All-NBA first team to me, I have no problems with it. Luka Doncic, Steph Curry, Giannis, Kawhi, Jokic. Second team, Damian Lillard, CP3, Julius Randle for the Knicks, LeBron James, Joel Embiid. Third team is where it gets pretty dicey. Bradley Beal, Kyrie Irving, Jimmy Butler, Paul George, and Rudy Gobert. And I, a few key names that I didn't mention in those lists, Devin Booker, Jason Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, James Harden, Kevin Durant, who dropped 49 points last night. Let me just repeat that again. Dropped 49 points last night. Trey Young, Zion Williamson, and Russell Westbrook. 
who had more who had more MVP votes than six players who made those All NBA teams. So a lot of guys not on this list. I would love to hear your takes. Ayelo, I'm going to go with you because you always have some good hot takes to make. Give me your biggest snub and also maybe someone who you think is the most deserving to be in, you know, someone you're the happiest to see make this list. Well, I want to just, I guess, point out this, that I did not expect Durant or James Harden to make uh, any of these teams simply because they didn't play enough games. Durant only played 30. Harden didn't play that many more. And as good as they were when they were in, on the floor, I, they, they're not going to make it just simply because of that. Now, Durant, if, he, if they base it off of right now, yeah, he'd be on the first team. But I, um, I guess two people kind of stand out to me. Number one is Donovan Mitchell from the Jazz, who had 26 points a game this year, made the all-star team again, uh, led Utah to the number one overall seed. Think about that. The Utah Jazz, who have been, I don't want to say mediocre, I guess. They've definitely been a well above average NBA organization. They're competent. Uh, they always have good front office people. They have uh, good players. They make solid trades. And when, I mean, when they do make trades, they don't make them often. But when they do, they're usually pretty good returns on investment. But I thought he was snubbed. And I feel leading to the Jazz, the number one seed, being their number one guy, that, that holds a lot to me. And to see Rudy Gobert now, I have a crazy opinion that I keep off the air, but I don't think Rudy Gobert, uh, like running backs, you can replace people like him. But we'll save that for another conversation. I thought him being on the third team, I get it. Defensive player of the year and you know, he kind of holds that end of the floor down for Utah. So I understand why, but I think over Donovan Mitchell is a little, little insane to me. And the other person is your very own Kelly and Thomas, Jason Tatum, who, by the way, not making any of these teams just lost out on 32 million extra in pay. So I feel bad. Okay. I really do feel bad. I, as a New York faithful, I, I really do feel bad, but he had a, Team-wise, roller coaster of a season, if I do say so myself. Kemba Walker's in and out of the lineup. Jalen Brown goes down last minute, and that just kind of blew the season for Boston. You have coaching inconsistencies. There's a very oddly constructed roster, I guess, because the bigs are just, I don't know what they are. Honestly, that doesn't really help him out. And he's kind of, okay, Jason, you know, like you're going to do everything. And as great as these players are, he can't do everything. Now, he did have a very good season, over 25 a game, made the all-star team again. And you know what? I wasn't anything individually that I did not expect, but I think just the team success aspect of it holds him back mightily, even though I think he deserves it over Bradley Beal, whose team finished a single spot lower than them. But you know what? It, it's, it's so hard to decide these, but those are the two people that really – really stand out to me. How is Tatum not there? How, how is Tatum not there? That's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> it's so stupid. Like, the, obviously, the Celtics are terrible this year. Completely, like, under <sighs> every expectation set forth for them. Just squashed them. And, you know, that's it's not Tatum's fault at all. The, the fact that they're even, a, like, a playoff team, the fact that they were somehow, you know, able to win a game against this, these Brooklyn Nets are just ridiculous. And that was all Tatum because he scored 50 and he's a beast. And he's just like, Oh my God. Oh, I just, uh, it's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> and the, 
the the uh, the thirty million dollars thing. It, it's it's really a shame because obviously this guy gets paid a ton of money. But like of when, when it comes to things like these, like like these incentives, you know, there's just way too much riding on on such an arbitrary pick. You know, to pick Bradley Beal who plays right next to you know a, a former MVP and still ridiculous like nightly triple double threat in Russell Westbrook. Tatum doesn't have that kind of help. He has Jalen Brown, but Jalen Brown went down and he's, he's not Russell Westbrook. So, you know, the, the way that they come to these conclusions, I have no idea whoever's making these decisions on the, on the part of the NBA, but that's, you know, that's a ridiculous, it's a ridiculous oversight. And so is, so is Devin Booker and Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell is on the best team in the best team in the NBA record wise. They won the West and then there was never any challenges throughout the season. They just steadily, we're on top and that's a drastic improvement from any season that they've had before. Uh, and that's completely Donovan Mitchell. I mean, obviously they have a, a bunch of role players, Jordan Clarkson and, and Joe Ingles and, and even Mike Conley was an all-star this year, but it's, that's Donovan Mitchell's team. He's the reason that they are that good. And he got better this year, which is crazy to think. So I don't know how they leave him off the team when, you know, He's literally about to, you know, maybe make the conference finals. Um, he looks good right now because, you know, quiet. But um, <laughs> it's kind of, you know, it's, it's absurd. And Devin Booker, obviously, too. That, that, that team made huge strides. And that can, you know, you can say, thank Monty Williams for that. You can thank CP3, who, you know, gets there and they're immediately good. But it's Devin Booker who's the, the main scorer on that team. You know, he's the reason why they have, you know, all those points on the board. Like, how do you not? recognize greatness in just three guys who three very great young players were all all stars that were just severely overlooked in this yeah I agree with both of you I think I think the results of this all in these all NBA selections really call into question uh ILO I think you mentioned this how exactly they go about determining who makes an all NBA team I mean you I think Jason Tatum by far got the most screwed out of this of any player yeah, he's losing the extra $32.5 million. And also, he was listed as both a forward and a guard. And so a majority of the votes in, you know, a more, majority of his votes went to forward. So they put him in the forward position, but a bunch of his votes also went to guard. So that split him in between two positions. So Paul George and Kyrie Irving get nominations, even though Jason Tatum has more first and second team votes than both of them. So the whole thing is very, is very confusing. Like, should we have positionless voting like they do with All-Stars? Is that fair to somebody who plays multiple positions, especially in a league where that is becoming increasingly more common? And then you also have to look at, you know, what you mentioned with Devin Booker and Donovan Mitchell. Their teams are the one and two seeds in the Western Conference. Their teams are still in the playoff race, and it's because of those two individuals primarily. And both those teams, both those players, excuse me, aren't being considered for if first, second, or third team. And, and you look at some of the players who did make it, someone like Jimmy Butler, what did Miami do this season? What did Jimmy Butler do this season? He, nothing. Season. Nothing. He not, nothing. Not nothing. Not one thing. I think he had. I think he averaged less points than every other person that we've spoken about on the podcast. Not just this episode, but the past five episodes. So wh- why is he there? Why is why is Paul George there? I mean, there's just a lot of questions. If we want to talk about injuries, why is Kyrie Irving there? You know, there's just. I think to me, I've come to this conclusion. I think that the NBA puts out this list. The the, the sports writers who determine this list for the sole purpose to make people like us, to make podcast hosts, sports writers, 
passionate fans fight. They want us to get mad. They want us to talk <laughs> They want us to promote it all over social media. And that's exactly what they get. That's exactly what we're doing right now. And for that reason and that reason alone, I'm going to move on to the next topic because I don't want to give them any more, uh, any more. I don't want to give them any more. And that leads me to more bad news out of the NBA. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, a crazy day in news for the NBA and starting with Kawhi Leonard out indefinitely with what looks to be an ACL strain that he suffered in game five. Devastating news for a team that has relied solely on the claw for most of their offensive and defensive production, not only in the regular season, but also in this postseason. He has 26 30 plus point games in the past three postseasons combined, most in the NBA. He's, aver- he's been averaging over 27 points per game and seven rebounds per game this series. And he, he has been their heart and soul. And now, what do the Clippers have but Paul George and maybe Terrence Mann? Like, it just, it just yeah. doesn't sound like a team that should be in, in uh, where they are at this late stage in the game. So, Ayala, uh, we'll go to you first. <laughs> what does this mean for the Clippers not having Kawhi Leonard? Well, they have, uh, they have Boston alumni, and I assume both of you fan favorite, right? Rajon Rondo. Oh. They have Rondo, can I offer you Rajon Rondo? Can I offer you uh, Marcus Morris, former Nick and one-time Celtic? Do they have uh, who else do they have? Luke Kennard. He makes forty million to DNP. There's that. I mean, there is that. Okay. I also need to defend Paul George because you guys are just kind of <laughs> defend. I'm gonna I'm gonna defend him a little bit. He had a very good season. He was better than he was last year. He was not pandemic P. He was not panic P. Not playoff. Oh my God, help me please P. He wasn't panic attack P. He wasn't any of that this year. He was. Paul George from Indiana. This is what we got this year. And so far he's had a very good playoffs. So I am not, I'm not mad that he made it, but over who he did make it, there's a conversation, but the LA Clippers without the Terminator who Kelly also retweeted when uh, I think he said something about, I don't care about the playoff rounds. You go, you go, what is the internet? And like quotations, what this guy thinks. I don't, does he know what the internet is? Does he still log on to Windows 97? I don't look, about, I don't look what people say about on the web. On the web. Who yeah, is what the is the internet? He's, he's the internet's a formality. It's not real. Literally. <laughs> it's not real. It's, it's fake news. It's fake news. Kawhi Leonard, he, he logs on to Windows 97 and plays uh, solitaire. Okay. That's his form of social Mind media. Sweeper. <laughs> yeah. He plays those, those old fashioned Windows games. But if we look at how significant this is, who prided himself, Kawhi Leonard, that is, on coming from Toronto to Los Angeles to, to, to beat LeBron James, okay? That commercial with the little, the little crown that he had with New Balance when he first got there, the troll trolling thing, that was his whole thing. And unfortunately, he gets hurt. Now, injuries are not exactly all the way in your control. Kelly, you do play college sports. So, you know, obviously a little bit about more of this than Thomas and I would, but when injuries hit, they just, it stings and it stings for a long time. Kawhi Leonard tore his ACL. Okay. That's going to sting for quite some time. I would not be surprised if he accepts his player option, mm-hmm. he sits out next year for load management, and then he's going to leave the Clippers. That would not surprise me if that's the next play for next season. And it's, it's, it, it sucks that 
he got hurt, you know, congrats to the jazz. I'm going to say it now, but you know, that's there. That's the Clippers. That's the going to be the play for him next year. He's going to sit out, take his money and then leave and sign for even more money. So it's, this might be, this might be the last time we see him play ever in a Clippers uniform as we know it. But Quiggs, do they have, did the Clippers have a chance without him this year? Uh, no. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> no, 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 they don't. Um, I mean, if it weren't for Kawhi, they're losing game six in Dallas last series. Uh, if it weren't for Kawhi, then, you know, they're not even, I mean, maybe they're a playoff team, but you can't have Paul George lead a playoff team to the conference finals. It's just not going to happen. You know, he's not way off P like he was last year, but he's not playoff P. I don't know how you come up with your own nickname. He's having P. not done anything in your life. He's just, he's just Paul George and he's playing yeah, well, yeah. you know, he's at, He's, he's putting up 30 points, you know, a lot in these playoff games. You know, he's, he's, he's scoring. He's doing what his team needs to win these games, especially in the last two. Um, but he can't carry that team both offensively and defensively in the way that the claw can. So, you know, with in the absence of Kawhi, it's just really hard to see this Clippers team going out and beating a Jazz team that just throughout the season has shown that they're a superior basketball team and they have a ridiculous player, Donovan Mitchell, who was completely slighted in the All-NBA thing. Um, so I'm not going to get over that. But no, I don't, I don't think that they can do it without Kawhi. They're, obviously, they have, they have a lot of playoff veterans. They have, they have uh, Rondo. They have Morris. These guys have been in the playoffs, and they're playing well. But, you know, you need that, that superstar uh, presence when you're this deep in the playoffs. And that's something that, the Clippers really don't have without Kawhi. Listen, you wouldn't build a team around Paul George. You're not going to have him carry you to the promised land. And I'm going to leave it that one at that. But another devastating, I, I wish I had better news for you guys, but Chris Paul uh, was announced today that he will be sidelined indefinitely due to health and safety protocols. Now, indefinitely at this point of the, at this point in the game, at this stage of how we deal with COVID could mean anything. It could mean that he's out for one game. It could mean that he's out for a week. It could be out 14 days. We really don't know. So first and foremost, I hope, and I hope that he's okay and that anyone who's around him is okay. I hope he's healthy, but you know, this is a basketball podcast. So let's, I mean, we got to talk about the impact of not having a floor general, uh, you know, your team's glue, someone who has just been the heart and soul, the clutch player, the go-to player, the guy for this Suns team, what that's going to be like not having him. I mean, he, he's just been playing so well. He recorded a season high 37 points in Sunday's series, series clinching win. Uh, he finished the series with 41 assists, just five turnovers, turnovers, average 25.5 points, 10.3 assists, shot 62.9% from the field. So he's just been playing out of his mind, but I, I think, uh, and quickly, I'll go back to you for this. I think it goes beyond just the X's and O's for him. I think this is really going to impact them from a culture and leadership and mentality standpoint. But I'd love to hear your take. Same thing. How in trouble are the Suns without without their guy, Chris Paul? They're in big trouble. They're in huge trouble because before Chris Paul was on that team, they were a 10-year playoff drought team. You know, even with Devin Booker, who's a monster, uh, they're not, they're not a playoff team without Chris Paul. Now this season, maybe, maybe if Chris Paul hadn't got traded to the Suns, you know, the bubble Suns was a huge phenomenon, like eight, no, 
they were starting to kick into high gear and, you know, maybe they're going to be like a eight seed, seven seed that sneaks into the playoffs. But with Chris Paul, they were a two seed that pretty much for the entire season trailed the jazz, but you know, there was always a, a sense that they could overtake them um, in the West for that one seed. Now without Chris Paul, especially in the playoffs, that's just a huge loss. And uh, you know, I don't like, it's crazy that um, it's just, it's, it's definitely an, it's a weird thing that there's like a player that's, out on health and safety protocols while these arenas are completely like filled to the brim with, with, uh, with fans. So I, it makes me question just like, I don't know. I, maybe we don't know yet, but does he, did he test positive for it? Is he just, you know, was he just around someone who did test positive? I guess we don't know yet. And until we find out more, we would, won't necessarily know how long it'll be out. Um, but right now, if you're if you're a Suns fan, you're gonna you're gonna root for this this uh, Jazz Clippers series to go seven games, give you the most time to get uh, your guy back because you know without Chris Paul, it's it's hard to beat either of those two powerhouse teams in the West uh, to get to the finals. So they need Chris Paul back, and I would be remiss if I didn't bring up this point that I, I you know I forgot to mention earlier when we were talking about Kawhi, uh, and this doesn't necessarily have really much to do with Chris Paul except for maybe the past uh, series in which he was a little bit injured and they dropped a couple games to the Lakers Um, this season. And LeBron, you're going to be mad. I owe because I I know you don't like LeBron, but he was right. He was right. This season, just, you know, they shouldn't have started this early and you're seeing seven or eight all-stars that have gone down the playoffs with injuries. This is, huge this is a huge l for everyone involved you know it's, it's bad for the fans because they want to see the best players on the court it's bad for the players because they're being subjected to you know missing out on the, the ride of a lifetime a playoff run because they're getting injured because their bodies just can't handle this much playing this much like activeness without rest um that they've had to deal with from going straight from the bubble maybe a month and a half of rest and then right into the next regular season uh, it's been a very difficult turnaround. You're seeing the uh, the huge um, losses that are a result of that. And it's really on the NBA for, for doing this because it's very clearly just, you know, a money thing. Like they wanted to have as many, they wanted a 72 game season in a climate where it was just really difficult to have that happen, especially because your postseason went all the way into October. So, the NBA is seriously at fault and they're kind of paying the price uh, right now. It's a little bit of karma that, you know, their, their product isn't as watchable as it, as it should be, as it could be. Um, but everybody, everybody's losing in this situation. So this, it's a really tough break that we've had to deal with. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I'm, the NBA sucks. <laughs> be better, be better NBA, be better. All right. Well, first of all, Thomas, um, I am not a super duper LeBron disliker. Okay. I do respect him and that he might be, I think he is the best passer of all time. He probably is a top two finisher in like basketball history, but I'll get, we can talk about that another day. However, the NBA and LeBron James, LeBron's right in the sense where they should not have had this quick of a turnaround. I thought those, those uh, those like eight play-in play games that they had in the bubble or whatever, those were very unnecessary because there was exhibitions before that. And professional athletes, this goes for any sport. They don't need 10 games 
you know, to, to warm up in football. How many weeks is preseason three, maybe like about should be zero should be zero, but like yeah, what? It, three? <laughs> it was four. Now it's now it's three, maybe two. I don't know. Should yeah. be zero. And baseball, they don't even have, they have spring training, which is like what? Three weeks, which really honestly should be like a week and a half. And in basketball, there's the four preseason games. Now I think they messed up there. They also messed up giving preseason games for, um, this upcoming season, but I do understand why, because of those eight teams that didn't go to the bubble, uh, they were incredibly rusty. So I understand why, but if you have to look at it in the long-term sense, which is how they should be doing this to see everyone just get hurt teams that, that really shouldn't be losing, just start losing like crazy. Like I thought Miami, they're definitely better than, uh, than what they should have been. They got whacked around with COVID and then injuries and then, just they they were like beaten by like a like a dead horse okay and then you have teams like the lakers who also the same way just get beaten up by injuries and covid and other things uh you know so it i thought the nba is very selfish in the sense that they're doing what they're doing right now there's thousands upon thousands upon thousands of fans spending hundreds of dollars okay hundreds of dollars shout out to chris persianen here at FUV because he spent like 250 something dollars on Knicks tickets to go to one playoff game. They're spending good money to go watch these guys play. And you're going to sit Chris Paul because of COVID protocol now when we're, what are we at? Like well above 50% vaccination rate in America. And we're well on a path to over 70 very soon. Come on. You, are you guys serious? And you're letting fans in. The whole theme is making money as much as possible in every little way you can. And you're going to sit Chris Paul in perhaps the most important playoff series of his life. And for the rest of these sons, because of COVID protocol and the guy, I think, isn't he, is he not vaccinated? If I'm, if I'm mistaken, can someone. We don't. So yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody knows. That's, that's the uh, okay. key issue. Cause if he, okay. if he were vaccinated, then he wouldn't, then if it's like, just like a contact tracing thing, and he wouldn't have to stay out a, a yeah. long period of time. So okay. it's either it's either he's not vaccinated and was exposed, or he is vaccinated and somehow tested positive. Okay. Then I want to bring this up. I don't know if you guys put two and two together here, but I want to bring this up. When LeBron James got COVIDed when he went to the Drake party, right? And there was all the, oh my God, LeBron broke COVID protocol. Ah, everyone just freaked out. Notice how everyone like in the media knew the details and were defending LeBron. They were sweeping everything under the rug. I have reason to believe that he broke COVID protocol, but no one's going to say anything because it's LeBron James and they don't want to be the guy to rat out the King and the, the number one player on the number one team. It just so happens to be, no one wants to be that guy. And the fact that they're going to do this to Chris Paul is shameful. Shame on you, NBA. Shame on you for this. In my opinion, I, I think because based on how they've held, dealt with players like LeBron James in the past and be, based on the situation, and that this is a league that likes to make money off its stars, I have reason to believe that he did test positive because I, I don't want to claim anything, but to me that just seems like the only reason that we would be in this situation. However, I, I do agree with both your points on the fact that this season has been absolutely crazy. And the fact that there was pretty much a lack of any off season and these players play a sport that requires so much of your body physically that you just, this, this season has just, we've seen so many injuries and injuries to the players that are playing the most minutes and the players that have the biggest load, the most pressure on them. And that's, 
that's that's been a challenge for for fans but also just the players themselves and it's it's really frustrating to see i mean i am an athlete not at the professional level and i know how devastating an injury can be to you uh your family your teammates and just to see it happen so frequently with the biggest stars has been so just frustrating this season and so upsetting so hopefully the league after at the culmination of this season will be able to give the players uh the rest that they deserve the rest that they need to be able to come back and start getting back to normal. I mean, you really look at this season as a whole, it wasn't normal at all. This was the weirdest season that we've had in NBA history. And I think today is just a microcosm of what was a very chaotic and all over the place season for the past few months. And so hopefully when we're done with this season, we have a champion, we go into the off season, we're able to reset and go back to a normal NBA season come the 2021-2022 season. But until then, and until... Uh, the rest of the playoff series games commence. That's going to do it for us on this episode of Pick and Pod. I'm Kelly Bright. I've, I've had a great time as usual with Thomas Aiello and another Thomas and Thomas Quigley. I didn't mess that name thing up <laughs> one time this episode. So hopefully we'll get back after it again next episode. Um, but until then, again, stay tuned for next episode. This is a playoff basketball. So fun to talk about and can't wait to do, can't wait to do it all again next week. But Pick and Pod is a production of WFU Sports.